1: Sexual health. How can relationships
0: relationships evolve evolve with people people as they grow and and change? Hey, so this is the part two of a two part series focusing on non monogamy 101. In part two, Jackie and I explore three common misconceptions that we have to unlearn in order to successfully practice non monogamy. We also do a quick fire round of common poly problems, FAQ style. Make sure you catch part one to hear more about how Jackie and I got to design our own relationships. We shared our personal stories of heartache, discovery, joy, and what would happen if 38 million people listened to our podcast. Welcome to part two of Non-Monogamy 101. I think we talk about this, right? This idea of you really need to understand why you're choosing this path and really have a firm grasp on it because if you don't the transition is I especially if you've been monogamous for a while I find a transition is just laborsome right it's, it's because you have to unlearn a bunch of things and then relearn a bunch of things so you know you have to have a bunch of conversations that you maybe would never have to have if you stay in, in a monogamous relationship because ultimately monogamy comes out of the the box with default settings, pre-installed, supported by um, society, supported by by um, mainstream media and, and TV and all the things. So you are, you know, it's kind of set for you and it's easy to just like subscribe to it and, you know, just use all the things that are set for you and when you decide to be non-monogamous you are you are letting go of those comforts and and established structures that are that are already decided for you and you're picking a path that is brand new that you have to kind of craft for yourself and it's a lot of work you know and it's not for everyone um by you know absolutely it's not for everyone and if you don't know why you're doing it at some point it can just be like why are we doing... Like I hear people so often like, why are we arguing all the time? Why are we doing all this? It's like you need to understand why you are choosing to be non-monogamous and also understand that, not from the person or the people you're in a relationship with, but... What are you getting out of the dynamic? What are you getting out of a re- the relationship itself? And I think the, dist- and the distinction is important also because, of course, we're not—we don't love people in a transactional kind of way. It's not like, what am I getting out of this person? But when we subscribe to a relationship, that's something different. It is a set of agreements and it's a set of sort of structures. And I think we need to have an understanding of like, why are we doing it? Right? Just because you love somebody. Doesn't mean that you can be in a relationship with them.
1: Yeah. And so it made me think that, you know, you just said there's a bunch of things we have to unlearn. And it I think that there are the three things that come to mind from me that get in the that are unlearnings for folks who are saying, So again, if you're out there and you are saying to yourself, I'm curious in the about non monogamy, or I feel drawn to it, right? So if you're like if you're relate to Effie's story where Non-monogamy was never something that like occurred to you, but you look back at your pattern of relationships and realize, oh, I haven't been good at monogamy, and so maybe this is another thing I can try. If you relate to my story and you always knew that that was the case, but never really had an opportunity to practice it, or maybe you're in a relationship with somebody or want to be in a relationship with someone who's open and you're curious, these are three things I think that people have to unlearn. And so, Effie, I'd love for you to kind of talk through each of them. One is a relationship is it's me and it's them right? So it's just, it's just the two of us. That idea of like, as opposed to there's you and me in the relationship, like it's me and you. So that's like the first thing I think we have to unlearn and unpack. I wanted you to talk about. The second is that monogamy is normal. Like that's, that's what we should be all be doing. And anything against that is, is wrong. And then the third is that open means poly. Open means that we're all living in a commune, that everyone is it's orgies at night, you know, that everyone is rearing the children together, that that's like the, the idea. I think when I hear people's resistance, those are the three kind of things that come up. And so I'm wondering if we can unpack those. The first starting with a relationship is me and the person.
0: I sort of do this uh, exp- experiment with people. I often ask people, how's your relationship going? And I'm I'm curious, I do this. It's also was part of my job. I'm curious about relationships. I work with people on their relationships. I read and write and you know no doubt about relationships and as a part of that i have an ongoing experiment where i will check in with my friends and at some point i'll say how is your relationship going and i'm always interested in the answer and it surprises me though not at this point i'm not that surprised within a sentence or two they're telling me about their partner which is not their relationship, right? They are they're telling me all about their partner, what's going on with their partner, and how they're feeling and what's happening in their life and all that kind of stuff. And I I like, listen and and one of the things I, I note that, oh, like this is they, they think for them relationships and their partner is like one entity, and they're telling me about their relationship. So the example I often give to people is they could be telling me that. Their, relation, their partner is having a really tough time at work. They're kind of depressed. You know, it's hard to it's hard for us to connect. We haven't had sex in a while. You know, they're kind of getting up in the morning. They're kind of a clearly unhappy. They drag themselves to work, and they're kind of dissatisfied. And you know, it's 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 been a, you know they've they've been not in a good place for a while, right? And then what could be happening is that they could say. You know, that person can say, but well, you know what? We're actually doing okay. Like, our relationship is able to hold all that. And that we can sort of support one another and there is like comfort and safety and security within the relationship, right? So that is two opposing things. You have one person, you have the person having a really hard time. And hopefully you have a really robust, grounded, strong relationship that can hold the person who's having a really hard time. So your relationship can actually be good or healthy, and your partner having a hard time, right? So this is just a great way to sort of think about, oh, like those are not the same things, you know? It could be that your relationship dynamics allow the person to actually kind of weather this by having a lot of space to, you know, be sad and work things out without extra being pressure being put on them, right? Your relationship dynamics could allow this person to maybe spend more time with their friends or more alone time so they can, you know, think about things or that there isn't the relationship dynamics will allow them to kind of just vent within the relationship and without worrying about if they're going to upset the other person or upset the relationship dynamics, right? So those are kind of distinct things to to think about. And going back to what I was saying, again, people come to my practice and they're having issues or or whatever they want to work on stuff. And I'll say to them, like, why are you in a relationship? Why are you two in a relationship? And I get the answer of like, oh, "I love I love them. Like, I love my partner. And again, it's like, sure, that's not a relationship. That's how you feel about a person, right? Just because you love a person doesn't mean you can be in a a relationship with them. You can, you know, I'm sure everybody can relate to having a, uh, maybe a family member that they love and care for, but just cannot be in the same room for whatever reason, right? We have that concept within us. And I think this goes with romantic relationships. You can deeply and desperately and with every fiber of your body love a person. That doesn't mean you can communicate well with them. That doesn't mean that you're compatible, that you have the same Life vision doesn't mean that you can align your lives. Doesn't mean that you have a similar outlook on the future, right? It doesn't mean that you have, you know, you have same plans, right? You might one of you want children and the other one doesn't. There are a lot of things to consider, and the person is just one of the considerations, and the relationship dynamics is another one.
1: I think one of the values of the the relationship by design structure and the analogy that you use around. That our relationships are almost like homes, and mm-hmm. well, I think it's helpful to think of it in that way. That there are two people or more, but let's in this example say there's two people that live in a house together. Mm-hmm. Neither of those people is the house, right? There are two people, and they live in this space together. And those two people certainly influence the house. It influences which one you choose, what location you choose, what color mm-hmm. the you know the the walls are, and you know those types of things. So you work together to build a space where you both feel comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you're in a house, for example, where the other person, like if you move into someone else's house and you know, you don't know where to put your makeup bag or your toothbrush or your shoes, because it feels like this is their space and you don't want to, mm-hmm. that can feel like there are relationships like that, right? Where mm-hmm. you don't feel like you have space or voice in a relationship. That is very different than if you go into a space together and you co-design it from scratch or you decide the color, the paint swabs together and... that is, I think what you're talking about is there are the people and there is the mm-hmm. space that they inhabit together and create together. And those sure. people could be struggling, but your apartment could be great. Right. <laughs> and right? Right. So, Like I could have a bad day, but my relationship is going really well. Or I could be being doing really well, but my relationship is struggling. Like there could be a leak in my apartment, but I'm doing, mm-hmm. so if you can think about it that way, that there's you two and you live in a space and that space is your relationship. How are you each contributing to the building and maintaining of that space
0: absolutely absolutely i mean it's an exercise that i take people through in my practice one of the things that i say to them is like if i i'm a, a magical creature and i sometimes am uh, i'm gonna click my fingers and i'm gonna manifest for you your ideal home it could be a treehouse in the Amazon or it could be a biodome under the Pacific and anything in between. You just have to describe it to me in as much detail as you can. I'm going to click my fingers and voila, you're going to have your ideal home. Then I would say, like, how would you go about thinking through that? right and one of the suggestions I make to people is well a couple of things right one of the ways you would go okay well what what is it in my life that I really really care about that would translate into a domestic environment right the example that I often use is you know I'm a keen dancer I spend a lot of time dancing and in my ideal home there would be a beautiful dance studio with sprung floors and like really flattering mirrors and beautiful lighting and an amazing surround sound system where I can just like spend hours just like dancing and moving, right? That would be like a part of my dream home. Similarly, I love entertaining. I love cooking. I would have, you know, a beautiful kitchen that's really designed for entertaining and group eating. So I would think through what are the things that are really important to me in my life and I would translate them into a domestic environment and relationship design is actually not that dissimilar you know you think about the things that are really important to you things that really align with the way of the way that you're thriving things that you really need and cherish and want in your life and you translate them into relationship structure like how does that how can this thing be facilitated within the container of a relationship the in the domestic environment it's like within the within the container of a domestic environment same idea within the container of a relational dynamic so absolutely just a a way to think about it and and in in both of those cases both within the relationship And within the the domestic space of your home, um, they're not you. They are in service of you. They are where you spend your time, where you relate or where you lay your head. But they are not you. They are containers.
1: Yes, I love that.
0: The idea is getting that
1: container right. Right. And even those examples that you gave, I know that you've been in partnerships where you being able to host and socialize and be in community was not something that was necessarily supported in in all aspects of the relationship. And that became a struggle for you. So even your the things that you're talking about with the physical space, if you want to create that in physical space, it's also about creating that space within your relationship, creating mm-hmm. space where you can go out and go dancing with friends, even if your partner doesn't want to go, or that you can bring people over to your home and socialize. And if those things are don't, if you don't have space for that in your relationship, you're denying parts of yourself and you won't be able to thrive within that relationship. Right. And that's what we're talking about when it's about, it's not just you and them, it's you, them, and the relationship, you, mm-hmm. them, and the home that you are mm-hmm. sharing. And I think that that actually leads us really well to kind of the second myth that we want to bust or the thing that we want to unlearn, which is that monogamy is normal or that non-monogamy is normal, right? Depending Mm -hmm. on what side of the camp is like, who's on the soapbox. And I think what we want to suggest is there is no normal. Mm -hmm. It is all about what you thrive in. You know, if we follow that house analogy, one may be a prefab home on a Mm cul-de-sac on a beautifully lined, you know, tree-lined street where kids are playing outside and it's like turnkey and you go in and you just put in your furniture and you're like ready to live in this space and you love it. And for some people that feels beautiful and other people's that feels like death. Right. <laughs> and then you have the other to the other extreme where you buy a plot of land and you're going to build from scratch and you're going to pick every single doorknob where every outlet is every tile piece. And for some people, that sounds amazing. And for other people, that sounds terrible. It is that spectrum that is the spectrum of relationship, of monogamy being something that is pre designed. I think one of the quotes that you say that I love is it's relation, you know, you can choose relationship by design versus relationship by default. And some people want the default. Right. That's not bad. Right. Uh, give me the package. Give me turnkey. It's easy. It fits what I want. Drive I in that. Let's do that. And some people want to design it from scratch and it's figuring out what do you
0: want. Absolutely. And, and by the way, I have had experience with both of those things. As much as this idea of building your dream home from scratch it seems like this amazing experience, it is really, really hard. I am currently in a home that I I co-built with my father, and every day I walk around, I'm like, "Damn, we made that mistake, or we never made that decision, or this was a this was a terrible decision, or this this room doesn't have sockets, like we forgot about the sockets." You know, so it's it's really hard. It's it's a really hard thing to do, and and it goes back to what we were saying. Like you really need to be clear to why you're doing it. And and you need to keep coming back to that. You know, come, come, keep coming back to why you're doing it and what you're going to get out of the relationship, not the other person, but from the relationship. Like, I walk around this home and I am deeply irritated by the lack of sockets in the upstairs bedroom because it's really really inconvenient. Um, but I know that we built it because we wanted to live in in, uh, in the orange groves and we wanted to renovate an existing stone house, and it was really important to us and something that we worked on together and that will always be. That will always be here, you know, down the line when my father might not be around, like this home will be the thing that we built together. So there, there are many, many things, reasons why. And I have to go back to those when I'm really, really irritated by the things that aren't right in the house, you know. And then the other thing that I wanted to just add in there is the monogamy is normal or not is definitely one of the things. And there, there's variations on that that I want to also like add in there. The flip side of that is that monogamy is not natural. I hear that a lot. You know, monogamy is not natural. Sure. Right. I mean, uh, technically speaking, pair bonding is evolutionary and it's human. It's part of our species, right? That's how we're designed, right? So pair bonding is definitely evolutionary. Monogamy is a social construct, right? So technically speaking, yes, monogamy is not natural. However, in this modern age, humans do a million things that are not natural, we sit at desks and in chairs for eight hours a day because we get something out of it, right? We we live in homes, which we didn't. We eat wheat um, that we didn't before. Um, there are many, many things that humans do in the modern world that is not, you know, air quotes, natural. So monogamy being natural or not is really not an argument that is worth having because you know, dyeing your hair blue isn't natural, but we do it and it's fun, right? Or, you know, the eight hour, you know, eight hours at a desk is not fun. Our body certainly is not built for it. That's why everyone's got lower back issues and tight calves. And like, there's so much fallout from doing that, but we do it because it affords us something and we want to do it on some level, right? So I want to also just like add that in there. Monogamy natural or not, really not in, not a relevant conversation. Similarly, Monogamy often is also um, referred to these days as the traditional relationship, right? I want to bust that myth also. Monogamy has been around for a heartbeat, given the human, the human evolution. It's really been around since the agricultural revolution, when we decided to stay and stop being a hunter-gatherer um, species and, and decided to stay and start farming land. And land ownership became a thing. Once that became a thing, resources... Fixed resources became a thing, and you wanted to know who you're feeding, who you're passing your things on to.
1: It was human ownership, both in terms of enslaved people and spouses. Women were essentially owned because they had no say without their, their spouse.
0: Right, right, right. So to
1: your point, it was about settling down and owning things.
0: Exactly, exactly. And by the way, back then, that version of monogamy... Didn't necessarily have sexual fidelity um, built into it. It was more about ownership and the monogamy, the traditional monogamy that we know today, which is also now intertwined with like romance and and sort of self actualization and all that. What we think of the traditional monogamy is even less. Is like half a heartbeat. It's not traditional at all. So those are the things just worth knowing. Not as a way for you to convince you whether you should be monogamous or not. But none of these things are factors in your decision making. Only you can dig deep and find out whether monogamy or non-monogamy and what those things look like is the answer. Not, there are no external reasons and reasonings and history and, and whatever that is going to tell you if it's right for you or not. Only you will know if it's right for you or not. Yes,
1: I am. I am nodding so profusely (laughs) on our Zoom right now. Yes to everything you just said, that it does not matter whether other people did it. It does not matter, you know, what history is behind it. Does this make sense for you? Because to your point, even the definition of monogamy, we have seen that within generations change. For our grandparents, monogamy meant that they fell in love with a high school sweetheart and they were with one person, one sexual partner for their entire lives. For our parents' generation, perhaps, they dated, and it was one sexual partner at a time. That's monogamy. And so now with the new generation, we are defining, well, what does that mean? Is it emotional fidelity? Do we have sex with only one person, but we are emotionally connected to our best friend and our partner and our sibling and our, or is it we're, we're sexually have fidelity, but unless we go to a play party or unless there's a threesome, like, so even if you decide I want some version of monogamy, it doesn't mean that you have to just have the prefab house our encouragement is for you also to design your relationship, design what monogamy means for you. When we talk about cheating, that comes up a lot for some people. Cheating is thinking about someone else or flirting with someone else or having feelings for someone else or making out with someone else or having sex with someone else. So if I'm with a, have sex with somebody else is cheating person. But I feel like flirting with someone else is cheating. We're both monogamous, but our definition of infidelity is very different and we need to get on the same page. So if you identify with monogamy and that is what helps you thrive, it is still worth going through this exploration around what helps you thrive within relationship
0: absolutely and even with sex that's not straightforward right we you know we examine these on the edges like it seems like oh well you know i'm monogamous i'm not having sex with anybody else okay well let's just think about sex for a second does sexting count as sex does Mm -hmm. coming count as sex does porn include the fact that you're aroused the thought of someone does that fall into the sex category right is it penetration
1: because if you're if you're queer you don't identify as heterosexual and there's no penis and vagina involved, then does that mean if you're rubbing against each other, if you're like, at what point then is it called Like there's just so much technicality, that at some point it really is about what less about what is happening and when the other person and what do you need to thrive? And I think that that leads us kind of to the next question that, or the thing that we need to unlearn, which is that open or non-monogamy means poly. It means the commune and the orgy and there is a spectrum there's like a mono to poly spectrum there's a mm. whole world of options right in
0: between right. to choose from
1: um, so talk about that for a minute
0: sure i think a couple of things happen, right so if i was like drawing i would say i would split the the the, the whiteboard in half and one side I would put monogamy and we discussed it and and it's not as clear cut of course but monogamy and then under on the, on the other side I would put non monogamy and underneath it I would start putting some labels out there. Now uh, the real sort of distinction is in this most recent modern. Uh, version, most common relationship structure in the modern sort of iteration of monogamy is often described by two factors sexual and romantic fidelity in its basic form. Basically, two people agreeing to remain sexually and rom- romantically faithful to each other, right? That's kind of how we define monogamy. And in the non monogamy side, um, we're saying those two factors, so sexual and romantic factors are in debate, right? And um, often we're saying so, and then once you get onto non-monogamy, those two, the sexual and the the romantic slash um loving side are kind of where they things sort of start to split. And it gets a little confusing because if you're talking about polyamory, right, which is the one extreme, you're looking at multiple relationships that are romantic in nature. And a lot of polyamorous people will say sex may or may not be involved, right? In fact... It's about love and intimacy. Exactly, it's about love and intimacy and relationship and having that kind of giving people that kind of space, you know, in your life, right? And in fact, there are a lot of asexual people within the polyamorous communities, right? They're actually a really good place for them to thrive because they can be in relationships with people who can have their sexual needs met somewhere else, right? And they can have this like you know, loving, long-term, grounded relationships without necessarily worrying about their partner. Um, not getting their sexual needs met and it becoming a resentment and all that kind of stuff. So on the polyamory side, it's really about relationships and love and intimacy. Unfortunately, this idea of polyamory or poly or polyam um, is used as a catch-all for all things non-monogamous, right? So it's just worth bearing that in mind. If someone's saying I'm poly, I would definitely, I mean, you, you should ask anyway, but I would definitely ask, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Because if you move away Closer to sort of the center, you'll run into things like open relationships, right? And open relationships tend to be still based around the couple. And it's really about sexual openness, right? It's it's based around a couple and they are agreeing to have sex with other people. And there's less of an emphasis on romance and sort of long-term relationships and love but more about kind of sexual adventures and and explorations and you know that could be long-term or like short-term what I call like French style affairs where you're like you know like seeing someone for a while and it's wonderful and uh, intoxicating and and it kind of works itself out uh, consensually on both sides um so that's kind of more on the open relationships and you are kind of again open relationship is is based around a couple around the dyad then you're looking at if you're getting sort of more closer to sort of closer to the center then you maybe practicing something that people call monogamish um so dan savage coined this awesome term monogamish it's like you're monogamous most of the time and you're just really having sex with one another but every now and then you might go to a sex party or like like somebody and have a threesome and you're you know that happens maybe like on special days, or you know, it's not a big part of your relationship dynamic, but it kind of happens, right? So that's I'm on the monogamish side. And then um, I want to just throw in there swinging and swingers because it comes up. Swinging and swingers is not a relationship dynamic, it's not a relationship structure, it is an activity. So you can be monogamish and swing, right? Or you can be polyamorous and swing. Um, so it's really just something that you do, and that is not a relationship structure. So people will. I don't know, you can throw dinner parties um, or you can go and have sex with friends or in, in clubs, right? So it's an activity, not a relationship structure. And then there are like many other iterations of that. And these are just like some big sort of headlines but um within that there's like so many variations so if someone's telling you in short someone's telling you i'm polyamorous someone's telling you i'm in an open relationship someone's telling you i'm monogamish, great you're you're now on the on the right page with them you want to sort of sit down maybe get a drink and ask the question great that's really interesting what does that look like for you
1: yes and that distinction I think is is fantastic and I've heard you say that before that one that these terms helped us get on the right page but not necessarily the right paragraph or the right sentence Right, and that's right. because there's then you, you get into poly like right now I'm polyfidelitous which means I'm more than one relationship but I am essentially closed in those relationships mm-hmm. and so it's more than one loving relationship but I am not exploring other partnerships outside of that right and then there are polycules where there are groups of people who are in relationship with each other and they may have like a, a, a family dynamic that they have created with these mm-hmm. groups. so there's so many other layers of things. But if you are new to it, do not get scared away by all mm-hmm. of the terms. We term things as human beings at, in order to understand mm-hmm. things. And to Effie's point, get on the same page. The first step is just for you to figure out, like Effie said, if you can just wave a magic wand and create the thing that you wanted, what would that look like? Don't worry about what it's called. Don't worry mm-hmm. yet about trying to describe it to anybody. Just what would that be? So those are the three kind of big unlearned things. I'm wondering if we can do like a rapid style Q&A, if I can say to you like the most common, four most common like things that I hear from people and you can kind of give your elevator pitch like advice that you would give to those folks. Right. Um, because if folks want to, these are things that we're actually gonna go into much more detail about on September 9th. So if you join us at 8 p.m. Eastern on September 9th in the virtual curiosity salon, we're gonna dig into these a lot deeper, but we wanna give you a, a sense of that here on this conversation. So I'm gonna share four quotes that I hear, and then you tell me like what you would say to these people. Okay. So the first one is let's see, some version of I met someone, I really like them. And they're open. I don't know, but I don't know if I can do it. It feels uncomfortable. Is it uncomfortable because I'm pushing against social norms? Is it uncomfortable because it's not for me? I like them. I want to do it. I just don't know if I can do open.
0: It's a great question. And it does come up all the time. Going back to what I was saying, you need to be really clear about why you're doing it, right? Your why could be that it's because I want to stay with my partner, right? You could be in a situation where your partner wants to do it and you're like, I don't know if it's for me, but you. there's something in that relationship, there's something that you value in that relationship that you want to do it, or you want to try it at least because you want to give the relationship itself a chance, right? there's a legit enough why, then as long as you're clear about that and then when you look at what you need to do to stay with that why, right? So when you look at what it takes for you to do, you know, become non-monogamous and whether that still feels good for you in terms of what it affords you within the relationship, then you can make that decision of like, oh, yes, this is hard. Um, It does feel like, you know, I'm being, uh, there's discomfort and there is, you know, tension and there's maybe distress but i know why i'm doing it and it feels okay for me for me to tolerate it because i know why i'm doing it right it's not that i'm doing it i'm tolerating it because i want to be open right you're tolerating it because of whatever you're getting out of being in an open relationship whatever being in an open relationship is affording you right and that's how you know when you think about it as just like, I'm being open because of this reason, I would say, okay, like, why do you want to be open? Because I want to, because I value this relationship and I want to stay in it. Great. Why do you want to stay in this relationship? Well, one of the questions I get is, going back to what we're saying, because I love my partner. Okay, that's not a a reason to stay in a relationship. That's about the person, right? Where again, we're talking about the relationship. Why do you want to stay in the relationship? Well, you know, we dig a little bit. Maybe what comes up is, because it gives me a sense of familiarity, safety, and security. Great. So, if you are now open, if the relationship is now open, are you still getting the safety, security, and, and familiarity that, w- that you liked about that relationship? Well, not really. Okay. So, once you get there and you're like, well, no, it's not, it doesn't feel, it doesn't give me the things that I want, then all your efforts you're putting towards being in an open relationship is not going to feel good because ultimately what you're getting is not what you want.
1: Right. Because if you can be in an open relationship and you have each uh, on Tuesday nights, everyone gets to do whatever they want and your partner gets to go on a date and you get to go to them to, you know, have wine with your friends or Netflix and order Thai food and and watch whatever you want. Or you get to do a manic pedi or you get to go to a museum on your own and take a quiet walk. If, if that works for you, you don't have to be doing the open piece. If you're comfortable creating space for it because it affords you being in this relationship that you love then that is something that you can experience even if you're not open if you're still being monogamous and you create that space for them if that creates a sense of uh, instability and jealousy that feels comfortable uncomfortable to the point of distraction in your life if those types of things are happening for you that's a different kind of mismatch and so i want to go into that but first i want to name the myth that if you're if it's right that it should feel comfortable mm-hmm. i have named that i have I've identified as non-monogamous my entire life. I have now been in an open relationship for seven years. I'm with two partners, and it is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I still struggle with my partners being physically or emotionally intimate with somebody else. I still struggle with my with insecurity. I struggle with feeling territorial or when they're out on a date and not being consumed with thinking about what they're doing or where they're going or, you know, if that person was better at that sexual activity than me. And so I want to just bust the myth that if you're doing... That the people who are doing it, this doesn't bother them. Mm -hmm. I do get bothered. Oh, for sure. I do cry. I do feel sensitive. I've had many sessions with Effie where I'm Mm -hmm. like, you got to help me navigate this thing because I don't... This is really hard. But I do it because... It is, I want that that freedom afforded to me. I want that kind of space, that opportunity for growth. I do love these people very much who are in my life. And it is something that I am committed to doing as a part of my life and my growth. So I'm willing to be in the discomfort in order to have that growth opportunity. But it does not mean that it's easy. Absolutely. So if it's uncomfortable, you have to decide for yourself, is it uncomfortable, but a discomfort that I can tolerate? Or this other example, which, you know you shared the other day which made me laugh and then think sometimes it's just not going to work
0: yes so i actually have what might be considered as controversial opinion on this right this is such a common thing that comes up and what i'm about to say might just rub people the wrong way and i think i've got to a point where this is my opinion and it's just where i land with this so often i hear i'm monogamous my partner is, is non-monogamous. The, the, the poly-mono mismatch is such a big theme. And it's like, how do we make it work? And uh, what's going to happen to us? And, you know, it's just like often a question that is asked. So here's where I land on it. The chances are it's not going to work. And this is why. It is like if a dolphin falls in love with an elephant, right? Those animals are incredibly intelligent mammals. They have family structures. They have memories. They um, can use tools. They are both in their domains really advanced species that thrive, are advanced, are brilliant, right? And one of them is a dolphin that needs the water and the other one is an elephant that lives on land. And it doesn't matter how sophisticated, how brilliant, how adaptable these creatures are, And they might even share, I mean, they do, they share abilities, they share culture, if you can call it that. They share a a lot of structural things, but they just don't breathe in the same environment. So it is, you can be as similar as you like. And if you're just not breathing in the same environment, it's not going to work out, right? Maybe the elephant can hang out by the side of the water and watch the dolphin. And maybe the elephant can go into the water for a little bit and hang out there. But it's just not sustainable long term, right? Unless you agree that one of them is going to be on the shore and the other one's going in the water and then you're going to like visit each other every now and then and just have a very specific relationship within those limitations and you, you accept the limitations. It just doesn't work out in the long term in a way that you can thrive, right? It can work and it can be awkward and it could be difficult and painful. And like I said, the elephant can hang out in the water for a while, but it's just not its not sustainable in a thriving kind of way in the long term. So if you are in a long-term polymono mismatch and it's not working, It's just really hard to make it work. You know, you either have to accept the thing, the parts of it that's not working are just what they are. You just don't breathe in the same environment or you got to let it go. I know this is really controversial. I know people give advice on how you make it and you should work on yourself and you should do this and you should do that. I don't know, man. It's just not going to work out. I'm really sorry.
1: I just, I like want a few seconds of silence just for
0: that to like settle in with everybody. I'm sad. I'm, I wish. I know. I know. I wish I had a magic solution. Like I've sat through so many client sessions on this. It is probably 50% of the questions that we get in our workshops
1: is like, they want this. I want that. How do we make it work?
0: There are Facebook groups dedicated to this, multiple Facebook groups dedicated to polymono mismatch. There are articles written. written. This comes up in every session, every time we do anything on non-monogamy. This question comes up and I promise you, I have thought about this. I think about it regularly every time I sit down to write curriculum, every time I sit down to write this podcast when we're thinking about all these ideas. It is on my mind and I have at this point seen dozens and dozens of dozens of people and facilitated, you know, just uh, this is, it, there is no magic formula. There is no way that this thrives without it being a pain on the backside for everyone. So this is where I land. Um, please, if you have a magic, here's the thing. If you have a magic formula that I don't know, that I haven't thought of, please tell me, tell us. Write to us, leave a comment somewhere. You can reach us in a bajillion places, which Jackie is going to let you know in a minute. Please let me know, because I, we would like to use this platform to disperse this information that we don't have. So that would be my like plea to people. And let me, let me just clarify that it doesn't mean that someone who
1: identifies as, as open and someone who identifies as mono can't be in relationship with each other if they've designed a structure where they can both thrive. So the example that I gave where every Tuesday night, one partner goes on dates or meets with a girlfriend or boyfriend and the other partner spends times with friends or alone, everyone is happy. That can absolutely work. It's when the Relationship construct, that house means that someone feels like they are not thriving. They don't feel safe. They don't feel heard or seen or loved. If that is the dynamic, uh, then it, it sounds like it's an elephant and a dolphin and they can't survive in the same space. So that feels heavy, but feels very true. And we can explore more. But again, this is about thriving. And so you can decide can I live with it or are we dolphins and elephants? Let's say you decide, yes, I can do this, right? The next question or the next statement that we hear most often is, we want to take the
0: plunge. My partner and I would like to open up. But now what do we do next? Okay, so I'm going to be super rapid fire. First of all, come to our workshop. That's happening <laughs> uh, that's happening next week. Um, if you missed that one, um, come and do the Relationship by Design um, work with us. That's your next, second option. I say these things because the first thing you need to do is some homework. You need to do your conceptual and personal homework. What does that mean? You need to understand non-monogamy and from the lens of non-monogamy, not from the lens of monogamy. So that means you need to do some unlearning and then you need to do some new learning. And that can be done through books, research. Uh, We definitely do a lot of work at Curious Folks around that. We've been talking about two that's coming up. So you need to do some some conceptual understanding of non-monogamy as a relationship structure and knowing things like the history, um, the psychology, all that kind of stuff is really, really helpful because it takes a lot of the stigma out of it and normalizes some of these decisions. Personal homework, you really, really understand, you really need to understand what you want, what you need and how to articulate that stuff. So Jacqueline and I put together a workbook called uh, relationship by design module one know thyself we will share the link in the show notes that's something that we did that will help you break down help you like think through all the areas of your life emotionally physically spiritually and to really get to know yourself and then gives you tools to articulate that to your partner so you really need to understand who you are how you show up in a relationship and what you want Then you need to do some foundational work that most of us haven't done or haven't had a chance to do. You need to nail down communication. When I hear people say that I'm I'm a good communicator, I'm always like, we'll see about that. And often it turns out that they're not. We have a misunderstanding that conversing is communicating. Um, That is not the same thing. Communication is conversing with the intention to understand and to be understood. It is a skill that you learn and you practice. So it's something that you need to nail down within communication you really need to understand negotiation and conflict resolution again these are skills next you along with that you need to really practice emotional intelligence and regulation again these are skills this is knowledge and skill you need to get down monogamy offers you some default settings that you might not you can get away with not having these skills though having these skills in your in your tool belt will really enhance any relationship monogamous or not so if you're in a non-monogamous relationship or if you want to dive into that and you want it to be one that you can thrive and like and and for it to really work you do have to work on the stuff from that lens having having really grasped these skills um you then need to decide what you want it to look like right we talked about it it could be you know the occasional threesome all the way to let's live in a commune right there is a broad spectrum of how non-monogamy can show up so it can, can look like. So you need to figure out what you want that for you. A couple of pro tips that if you can get those in there as well, this is like ninja level stuff. Honestly, they sound crazy, but it, it really makes a difference. Start making space, right? If you're going to start dating other people, you are going to need to make space. Because sometimes what happens is that it's, it's the withdrawal from one another along with somebody new that you're introducing, can really amp up the insecurity and jealousy and all those things that people deal with. Before you even meet somebody, even start dating, I really recommend people to start making space. What does that mean? Start spending time apart from, intentionally apart from one another. Um, engage in separate activities that are private in, a, in, in some way. I actually always tell people, start a hobby or um, start volunteering and those things really will help you down the line and and at the on the workshop we'll talk more about why those things really make a difference go on dates with yourself right for a couple of reasons one again you're making space that you might down the line allocate to somebody else and two scheduling is a bitch. You might not be able to go on separate dates. Oh, dates, you know, you and your partner might not be able to go on dates at the same time, right? So maybe you are you find somebody's date and the other person hasn't or, you know, they found somebody and you found somebody and you just can't align the dates. You can go on a date. So you want to be able to be on a date with yourself, spend time alone while your partner is doing something else and feel good about it. So start pra- practicing that. And last but not least, this is also vital. Align yourself with a support network, a therapist, a coach, a counselor, um, also a community. Curious Folks is a community. We've, we've made sure that it is a community because of this. This is, originally was designed so that as people transitioning into non-monogamy, they had space where they can learn, connect, and thrive together. And there are many other communities. Find one that's near you in person, online. and connect with people because you're going to need that support network when you're starting to delve into non-monogamy. Quick fire round. Next. I like
1: it. All right. Last two questions, Effie. Rapid fire. Here we go. Uh I want this. I want to be open, but I don't know how to bring it up to my partner. What do you say?
0: I say to people, start with talking about it conceptually, bring up an article, this podcast, Maybe somebody who you know is non-monogamous, bring it up as a concept that you want to discuss and have it like a light, easy conversation with, not something that you want to do in that relationship like now, right? That is, that is scary to somebody to say, what do you think about opening up a relationship is very, very different than, I just read this article and they were talking about open relationships. Here's what they said. What do you think about that? That is a much easier conversation to have and start things off than suddenly applying it to your existing relationship with, with somebody who may or may not be ready for even thinking about it. And, and then it gets, you know, and then that initial reaction to it, initial, like, what? What are you talking about? reaction can be a very defining reaction that can get stuck there, right? Much of a softer approach that you can think things through conceptually can make things feel much easier than this like violent crash into like, oh, this new idea, what's happening to my relationship? What's happening to me, right? That can be very, very scary. And once you push people into that place, it's really difficult to regulate them back down to like a a reasonable place. So start conceptually, take your time, one conversation at a time. It doesn't have to be resolved. No decisions, no pressure, And just start from there. That's maybe one thing. And the other thing is don't evangelize, right? Especially if you've been thinking about it for a while, you might be like, it's the best thing ever. Don't evangelize. It is not the best thing ever. Um, And if you can't think of a single concern, if you can't think of a single thing that might not work for you, my guess is that you haven't thought about it enough. So um, you need to be in touch with the good, the bad and the ugly of, any kind of relationship structure, nothing is perfect. So if you're evangelizing, saying it's the best thing, it's the best thing, it's the best thing, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be our life forever. It's just not realistic. So those would be my two things.
1: Yeah, think about it the same way we we're talking about a house. If you said, to, if you turned to your partner and said, I want to move across the country or I want to move into a tiny house or I want to now move to the city or the suburbs, they'd be like, wait, what? Like, we're going to pack up our stuff. We got to do this. Where's the kids going to go to school? Like, it's going to start a cascading level of, as opposed to if you watch some movie and people in Hawaii and you're like, man, what would it be like to live in Hawaii? I think that'd be good. Like, that'd be cool. Would you ever live on the beach? And you, if you start to have a conversation about something else, like where you would live, as opposed to it being about you, I think is your point that can make it feel lighter. Absolutely. All right. Last question. I am. So I'm not in a partnership. I'm interested in trying monogamy, but I don't even know how to navigate the open dating world.
0: Oof. Yeah. I mean, dating is a hard, period. And once you are trying to date in a very specific way, it gets a little more tough. So um, there are a couple of things that is worth, you, worth knowing. Often the, the, the misconceptions that you're going to come up against are that you are a player, you're a cheater, you're a commitment foam, you're easy, that you don't want a relationship, you just want to, like you look, you're actually looking for a one night stand. Um, so those are the common things you are likely to come up against. So just know those things and have a way of describing what you, like, be very clear about what you want, knowing that these are some of the misconceptions that you're going to be dealing with. I would say online dating is all the rage. I would say this for any kind of dating, but also definitely for non-monogamous dating or open dating. Try to do as much in person as you do online. I do realize that we're in the middle of a pandemic and finding community events and like fun socials that you can do and meet people is really hard these days. So I definitely, I realize that. For virtual meetups, Exactly. I was going to say there are exactly like we do them first Wednesday of every month. So curious folks, socials are definitely designed for that. But do things that are community, things that you can attend and meet meet people as much as you do online dating. And then when you're doing online dating, just uh, realize that some apps are better than others for non-monogamy. Again, depending on what you're looking for. So if you're looking for your like fun threesome occasionally or, or these like cute you know, French style affairs. Tinder is a good option if you're really just looking for, you know, threesomes and mostly sexual intimacy or sexual exploration of fun. Field is another app for that. If you're on the other side and you're looking for more relationship stuff, um, OkCupid is great. It has been very poly-friendly for, for a long, long time. You can set your gender to a couple, actually, so you can like date you can have a profile that's for two people and you can also say you're non-monogamous as a part of your setting. You can search for that, which is great. They have many, many questions in, in their pairings and their matchings that cater for non-monogamy as well. So OkCupid is your option. Think about your profile. I would say, be honest. The earlier you say it, the easier it is. It will actually just wean out people who are not interested in non-monogamy. So you really just want to put it up there And then think about your first dates. Practice explaining your situation in a way that is honest and transparent and will give them information so they can make um, decisions for themselves. And that just takes practice. Like tell your story, explain your situation, uh, be clear about what you're looking for, what you are available for right? And ask them what they are available for. This is really important. If you're opening up for a monogamous relationship and you and your partner have agreed, you're only going to get, you know, you're only doing this once every two weeks. You have space for, you know, one date every two weeks and that's all your availability. You need to let people know that's what's available for you. So be clear about that. I would say those were my like pro tips for dating.
1: Yeah, because I've heard people say, well, I want to get to know them first. I want to go on a few dates, really like each other, and then I'll tell them. And frankly, that feels a little cruel. It feels like I want to trick them into liking me. And then I want to reveal that whatever their vision is, that that may not be be possible. And so honesty is the best course of action in the beginning.
0: It's cruel. It's a waste of time. I would be so pissed. Like if I've given, especially, you know, us New Yorkers, like time is precious. If you given, (laughs) it's both being in New York and also during a pandemic as well. Like (laughs) getting to on a getting on a date with someone is such a hassle right now. If you don't tell people what they like, what you're available for, and then they you know take the risk and get to you know meet you for whatever the first dates look like these days, it's just not. It's not fair. It's not ethical. It's waste of time. Waste of energy. Yeah, don't do it.
1: So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, this resonates. I want to talk more. I want to understand more. I want to share with you what's happening with me. I have more questions. Then we invite you to join us on September 8th, Wednesday in the Curiosity, Virtual Curiosity Salon at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can get tickets at on our Facebook through the link in our Instagram, on Ticket Tailor, at our website at WearCuriousFoxes.com. So you can find tickets anywhere. If you are not able to join the workshop or you are listening in the future not to worry. You can watch a recording of the workshop on our Patreon. Um, In fact, if you are a Patreon member, then you're going to have access to all of our video recordings from our in-person events to our virtual events and conferences. You get free tickets to events, discounted tickets to events, exclusive events just for you and more. So not only will you be supporting the work that we do, but you will be receiving a lot as a Patreon member. You can find out more about us, Effie and I, at wearecuriousboxes.com. We are our personal websites. You can find via links in our Instagram bios. You can find Effie on Instagram at Coach Effie Blue. You can find me at Jacqueline Missla. You can follow us at We Are Curious Boxes again on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, but we also have a Facebook group where we have a lot of conversation about the workshops that we do, about the podcasts. You have to answer three simple questions and you get to join the group and be a part of the party. And if you have liked this, if you want to share this with a partner that you're interested in opening up with, if you want to share this with friends, if you want to share this with friends who are like, what the hell is this non-monogamy thing that you are trying and you want to explain it to them and yet feels exhausting, let us do it for you. (laughs) Share the podcast, like it, give us a review. It does make a difference. Our goal is to change the noise. And so you can help us do that. And if you have ideas or questions, things that you would like us to continue to explore either at an event or in our blog or via this podcast, then you can reach out to us at listening at wearecuriousfoxes.com. Or you can actually call us and ask a question and we can play that question on our podcast and answer it. And you can call us a call at 201-870-0063 lots of ways for you to be able to connect with us for us to be able to connect with you and hopefully we're going to see you on september 8th
0: yeah yeah and then um until next time friends stay curious curious fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic we solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story we encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.